<laughs> I'm a civil servant. You're gonna have to cut that. <laughs> His name is Craven. He likes white ravens, and he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. And if you beat him then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast. This episode's the worst, so it's probably the last. With unopposed to claim banter. It's banter behind the throne. Hello and welcome to Banter Behind the Throne, episode number 30. I'm here today, your Archbishop of Banterbury, Mr. Thomas Peel. Today I am joined by Dave, who is my loyal abbot. Hello. And Whammer, who is going to be my lovely altar boy. Yes. Hello. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the tournament that happened in Norwich. Not where angels fear to tread. No, 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 no. Which is a 1907 novel which I had up for some reason. Oh, this has gone terribly wrong already. Can I start again and do take <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, hey. I've you got... are the Archbishop of Adjury. You can do whatever you like, Peel. Oh, fuck that's, it, your, yeah. that's your privilege. The, the tournament's now called Where Angels Fear to Tread. <laughs> it's a 1905 novel. And when I googled Where Others Fear to Tread to try and find an online review of the tournament in Norwich, it came up with Where Angels Fear to Tread, which was written in 1905. So we're going to be looking at Where Others Fear to Tread, which was an unrestricted tournament in Norwich that Whammer participated at. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some rule debates, uh, which have come up on CardGameDB. Probably how much claim you take for a two-claim challenge. Who knows with that website. Uh, and finally, we're going to be talking about what we did this week. Now, the other way is we're going to flip that on its head and go with what we did this week, starting off with my loyal abbot, Mr. David Bamford. Kick it away, Dave. What an intro, fantastic. Um, I'm afraid this week I've been a bad boy. Jesus Christ. I have. I, oh, I like, I have played Thrones. I thought have I hadn't. I had, yes. When? I went to my friends at the weekend, Mr. Jack Palmer, and uh, it was his first game of second edition. Uh, he had played a couple of games of first edition casually, and he said, right, teach me second edition. I said, what deck would you like to play? He said, oh, I'll play this Targaryen Banter to the Wolf deck. I said, oh, that's a very good deck. You should, uh, you should enjoy playing that. And I said, which deck would you like me to play? He said, you should play the Night's Watch deck. I said, are you sure? Yes. <laughs> are you really sure? Yes. I don't want to play about against your Lannister Martell decks. Like, no, you don't, do you? <laughs> so you should probably play that. I said, okay, fair enough. Uh, it was brutal. <laughs> it was you... not pleasant. do anything, though? Because with Night's no. Watch, you can just sit there and just go, I've won this round. Why? Well just have haven't i really there's no real way to argue about it i've got the wall gonna get some power from that have you attacked me yes but it was it unopposed no i think i made like three intrigue challenges nice um <laughs> because i had sam from turn one so i was just like yeah insight baby <laughs> um so i drew loads of cards and he had no cards and yeah he got Arya, so he was loving the stealth and then passed marshalling and i played Arya, so it didn't matter yeah. uh yeah, it was not that fun. <laughs> like candy from a baby, really. It was a bit horrible. So um, your one game of Thrones this week was drunk, <laughs> teaching someone how to play, whipping them, and not that fun. So yeah. far from what I can guess from your summarised. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, I probably should have built some decks which would have been fun. I was going to build the Tyrell Wolf deck from last week, uh, but obviously I was drunk. So that's my excuse. Uh, I was going to play again today. I was going to play the Tyrell Wolf deck, which is now built. But uh, Crocodile Hammers has been called into work. Possibly, his normal job, possibly at the other pub. 
It's it's good to know that one of our closest friends uh, has been called into work tonight, and none of us have a fucking clue which where he is. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, none of us. We could ask everyone we know at this point, and I don't think anyone will be able to give us an answer into where his location is. So, if you do find him wandering around a shop near you, please do phone us. Um, we are concerned, and we would like to know where he actually works. So that's me. That was that was my week in Hull, Mister Whammer. Good sir. What have you been up to this week? Uh, I went to a meet-up on Monday in London. I took my own version of the Tyra Wolf deck that I built because I thought, oh, Lady Sansa's Rose, that seems like a fun card. I'm going to build a deck around that. And then I listened to Banter Behind the Throne on the way up and got to hear you guys build an alternate version of the deck. And it was very similar to my deck, except it had a the odd change here and there, and then was just sort of interspersed with commentary about how bad the deck was throughout the whole thing. <laughs> so that was a good confidence booster. Um, but yeah, it was very fun. I got to make some fun plays. I got to play Superior Claim and Lady Santa's Rose on the same challenge twice. Nice. Um, which, yeah, gave me a good feeling inside. Um, I got to have a situation where I had no resource cards in play whatsoever. Um, and three copies of Pleasure Barge in play, uh, and still managed to win that game, which was cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it it went very well. It's a very fun deck. I recommend anyone who is maybe a little bit bored of the more sort of regular decks in the meta to try it, um, because it's really really good fun to play. Oh, and my version ran uh, Lady in Waiting. Um, and as a result of that, I was able to get four dupes on Arya Stark at the same time. <laughs> Which was not necessary, but it was banter. So, Could you imagine if she got marched? <laughs> you would have cried. <laughs> I'm just glad that my opponent didn't have Plaza of Punishment out. <laughs> yeah. He did have Grey Wind out, and he was just looking at this Arya with four dupes on it. I was like... There's no point. There's just no point. <laughs> <laughs> Plot seven. Yes, got her. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, Craven's been playing that deck a bit as well, and here are his uh, his thoughts on it. Been playing it a lot and think it's really fun. Power behind the throne can go though. Replace it with wildfire or building season. And they're not really sure what he's talking about here, but he says I quite often got him going, and the times <laughs> I didn't. I got Randall going, which oh. achieves almost the same purpose. <laughs> so, uh, take from that what you will. <laughs> Craven's getting key with his cards. Yeah. I was kind of hoping then, Dave, when you said I've got a message from Craven, that we just cut to a recording of him. <laughs> just, kind of, just kind of like, as if he's walking through a tube, just making notes like a doctor on a, um, <laughs> a recording device. Um which for some reason... Well, just, they've received some mysterious dictaphone in the mail, <laughs> and it turns out that it's Craven's thoughts on the deck. Yeah, we just, po <laughs> we just post each other tapes in, like, um, in padded we envelopes. Should <laughs> we should do that. I'm amazed we haven't already, because that will make it so much easier and considerably better. <laughs> Who needs the internet when we can record shit on tapes and post it? <laughs> oh, I've got some thoughts I need to get across to Dave. Better put them in the mail. Okay. So, uh, what did you get up to this week, Peel? Well, Dave, I actually had quite a good week. Quite a good week. Go on, then. Oh, I got two jobs. Two jobs? Two jobs. <laughs> that's, that's one more than any man needs. Exactly. Now I need to decide which job I want to take. So, uh, yeah, that's fun. 
Like, that's literally it. I've just kind of just gone, I've gone from Tommy to no job to Tommy two jobs. It's like, oh, great. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> uh, neither one is less stressful. One is more stress. This one's more stressful because on one hand, I've got, you know, a job at some place. I'm not going to name any of them in case any of my future employers are listening. Um, <laughs> I've got a job. Which is at- definitely a risk. <laughs> it is nowadays because you type my name into Google, shit pops up. Um, mostly about a weird indie singer in America. Uh, I have Googled <laughs> myself, and yes, that's what comes up. So I'm safe on that part. He's he's a bit odd. He plays the ukulele. Um, ah, see, that. I've got Thomas Peel was one of the very early settlers of Western Australia, a second cousin of Sir Robert Peel. He was, and do you know what happened to him, Dave? Uh, no, I didn't. I haven't got that far. Well, basically, um, what happened was he moved to Australia, set up a colony, set yeah. up a town, uh, decided to make a mining town where there wasn't anything to mine. Everyone That's left the town, and then they found him about 20 years later living in the town on his own. A little bit mad. So, uh, fun fact for you there, my relatives are idiots. Are you are you actually related to the famous Peels? Or do you, I, do wish, you know? I wish I was related to the famous Peels, but I honestly have no idea. I couldn't honestly tell you. Oh, okay. uh, I really don't. There's um, a Tom Peel who's been a performing artist in Birmingham for 10 years, but he's the weird hipster. So we we don't talk about that. Okay. Um, he's the one that carries on the tape recorder on his chest that makes weird noises. That is strange. Oh, it's insanely strange. Uh, but no, that's my week. I've Googled Oops, myself. And been on given- Googling yourself front, I'm looking at it now, and it says in the bottom, searches related to Tom Peel. One of them is how to peel tomatoes. <laughs> I feel like people might get confused sometimes and put in peel Thomas instead of peel tomatoes. I mean, right. it's a it's a common mistake. <laughs> or if just you're a trying really to, shitty autocorrect. You could be trying to abbreviate it, couldn't you? You could be going, ah, oh, shit. Um, I know what I need to Google. Tom Peel on how to peel tomatoes because I can't be bothered to put the rest of the letters in. Uh, because people are that lazy nowadays. So. Yeah. If you Google me, there's nothing on the first page that's interesting except a nurse that stole like 80 bottles of morphine. <laughs> uh, if you go into images, there's the banter behind the throne act art there's a picture of me looking sexy with a game night kit picture of me uh with a tequila slammer which i would rather not remember so yeah that's fun some other people and a footballer whose name definitely isn't dave his name's patrick i googled um i've just googled james wammer um and it's come up with a picture of brian cox and a bearded lady so uh you know or as if you actually google james wormsley just comes up with yeah. pictures of yeah, just days. pictures of me interspersed with pictures of not me. Yeah, yeah but I like to Google everyone. Oh, there's a picture of Rowan. There is. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> That's weird. <laughs> and Alvaro. <laughs> okay, that's strange. <laughs> I think it's just people that follow me on Twitter. Ah, uh, right, maybe. sure. Very oh. bizarre. I love this. This is my new favourite game. <laughs> Every time we get a guest on, I'm just going to Google them and see what the image I can find. Okay. Take us on, Peel. Take us on to the next segment. I think we've discussed our week in hole. <laughs> well, there we go. Our week in hole was so eventful that we ended up Googling ourselves while describing it. Um, <laughs> kind of sums it up, really, in, in not so many words. This week, we are going to be talking about the rules issue that you have found, haven't you, James? Yeah, I think, to be honest, you might be overselling it. Um, I'm excited but... for it, though. I, I really am. I, I 
I really hope it's something amazingly thick. Oh, I think it hopefully will sort of suffice on that front. Fantastic. Um, so this is on the FFG forum, um, and the answer provided is by Katon, so it's semi-official. <laughs> yeah. um, do, do you want to explain who Katon is for anyone who hasn't heard of him? Because he hasn't been as active as he has been in the past. Just why, why Katon is so important to us first edition players and why we love him so. Um, first of all, He's literally a rules lawyer. He's literally a lawyer. He understood the complex morass that was first edition rules um, to the extent that he's judged at Gen Con and Worlds in the past. Um, and he's one of the three people that helped write the rule book for second edition. I think uh, there were a lot of rulings for first edition, which were basically based on K. Tom's memory of rulings made during the CCG. And yeah. it's just like, well, this is how it worked 10 years ago in the CCG. So let's just play it like this, essentially. <laughs> which yeah, is nice. I He's think... kind of in our Bible for obscure rulings from 2002. Yeah. It's like, it's, it kind of in a warm way reminds me of the British legal system. <laughs> it's like, there's no actual rhyme or reason to this there's just some weird collection of legal precedents half of the rules are written in latin just <laughs> try and make heads or tail of this that's but, yeah. exactly what it's like reading the reference guide so <laughs> second edition i'd like to think on the whole the rules are a lot clearer for everybody um there's still the occasional bleh, but compared to first edition it's miles better however this is one that may well end up catching people out um so, Dave, if I was to say to you, um, could you play Tears of Liss on a character that's immune to events in order to kill that character? What would you say? Oh, God. <laughs> Let me get the exact wording of... I've, I've got it here if you want. Go on, then. Reaction. After you win an intrigue challenge as the attacking player, place a poison token on a character without an intrigue icon controlled by the losing opponent. At the oh. end of the phase, if that character still has that poison token, remove it and kill that character. It doesn't target a character, so I'm going to say yes. It targets a character in the sense of it's you're placing a poison token on them, but you're not sort of choosing yeah. the character specifically. But tokens aren't the character. Where, no. so, so as uh, Alaria Sand could steal power tokens from the Red Viper in 1st edition. So yes. I'm, I'm going to go with you can use Tears of Lease on a, someone immune to events. And so you can place the token on them. Will yeah. they die at the end of the phase? Uh, yes, because it's a lasting effect, not the event it's, itself. Is that correct? It's not a lasting effect. It's a delayed effect. Okay. Um, but ultimately, yes. The ruling given is that because it's a delayed effect, it's not the effect of the event that's doing the killing. Because... Tears of Lease is already in the discard pile at that point, and it only goes in the discard pile once its effects have resolved. Mm -hmm. um, so Tears of Lease creates this delayed effect, and the delayed effect isn't an event effect, even though it is only in existence because of an event. That is good to hear that there are such ridiculous rules still in the game. <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously it's not mattered yet because there aren't any immune to events. But in the next pack, we've got the Tawny for the King plot that makes all night characters uh, that you control gain immune to opponents' events. And I can see people getting pissed off when their night characters get 
tears released. So, it's an effect triggered by an event, but not an event effect. <laughs> yes, that, that's the current ruling. Like I say, this is only <coughs> a Katon ruling. He obviously is almost always right. Sometimes he's wrong, just very, very, very rarely. Um, personally, I hope this is one of the times that he's wrong, because I think it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so if they are immune to events, they're not immune to that event, because it's not an event. What would it be protected? How would you stop it, then, if it's not an event? You need to have, like, immune to opponent's card effects. Okay, then. Yeah, um, because even <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. even though the card effect comes from an event, it still counts as a card effect, but not an event effect. Even though it came from an event card, I I really don't understand it. <laughs> yes. I, so the, the it logic... sort of semi blew my mind when I saw it. So I thought I'd just raise awareness. I like it. I must admit, this is going to be one of these fun things that's going to ripple through tournaments till the end of time uh oh i've used this well it doesn't matter because it's not an, a, an event well it is an event well it's not an event it's an effect triggered by an event what yeah that's right suck it your guy yeah. dies i think That'll the important a... the important thing is it doesn't say choose a character so you it, it just says place a token the character is not immune to tokens so you can put the token on him and then by the time the token tries to resolve the event's not an event anymore it's just a thing in your discard pile Pretty much as a yeah. very very simple explanation, or just print off Katon's rulings and just hold them there, carry them yeah, around in your yeah. back pocket, I've, or just read games because that's what I've done before. I've given you the uh, the link so you can like include it in the um, in the episode so people can go and read the exact ruling because I've probably misapplied part of it because <laughs> it's it's not exactly light reading to be honest. No, I love it. I'm a big fan of that ruling. That is. <laughs> It's I can less... imagine you would be. <laughs> it's less counterintuitive than the Nymeria ruling from last week, for me. What, that you can give her icons that she hasn't taken? Yes. I, I, I did struggle with that, but I get it now. But this one, no, nah, I'm all about that. <laughs> all about uh, ridiculous immunities. I was well used to uh, applying them in first edition. The one good thing I can take away from this is if they ever reprint Princes of the Sun Viper and you can remove his intrigue icon somehow, <laughs> he's, he's immune to Tears of Lease. I'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. When you've got the icon removal to get rid of the intrigue icon and you've got Tears of Lease and I don't have Hound's Judgment and I don't have a duplicate, then we will cross that bridge. In that situation, it'll be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If you could tick off all those boxes, like, hang on a minute. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I used go. an event to kill the immune to event guy. <laughs> Suck it! But that you've be... got to do all the do all of that before he wins the game. <laughs> yeah, do all of this before he wins. Yes, all right then. I like it. That can be your challenge. Um, you can try and do that, Dave, for the rest of the year slash next year slash. I thought you guys out. already had that thing where you've each got to use a different deck for this year. We, we have, but we I'm do. winning at the moment, Dave. <laughs> Well, don't rule me out too quick. I have I have like forty nine points or something, which is pretty good, oh. uh, because I won a tournament, and winning a tournament gives you like fifty forty nine points. But how many people are at the tournament? It doesn't matter. It it <laughs> does matter because if there was only three people at the tournament, then it doesn't. We said it's uh, it's got to be seventeen players or more, 
Yes. Or a store championship or above. And it was a store championship. So, yeah. And there yeah, were I... 13 players, I think. Slightly less than that, 11. don't know, odd number. I love how Peel's barely played Thrones all year, but the moment it goes back to the competition, he just suddenly becomes uber serious about it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> James, would you like to take us into your lovely tournament report from this unrestricted tournament in Norwich two weekends ago? Okay, um, so there were six of us there. Um, unfortunately, we were hoping there was going to be more, but a few people had to cancel late on. And there was also a store championship in London that got like almost 30 people on the same day, so it sort of leached a few of the would-be players. That's a lot. Um, which, I mean, on the one hand, is a good thing. I guess those are people interested in second edition, but it was a shame for this tournament. But, um, yeah, there were six of us. There was uh, myself. I was playing... Stark House of Dreams Bear Island, um, which I'll explain what all those foreign words mean to second edition players afterwards. Um, basically, lots and lots and lots of kill, um, and then a bit more kill. Um, Wedge was playing a Lannister deck, House of Dreams to the Manda, um, which I think he borrowed from John Bruno. <laughs> um, oh. No, it's a deck that he was playing the year before. But Lannister had a bunch of very powerful unrestricted cards, so he just basically threw them all in um, <laughs> and otherwise used an already coherent deck, which seemed like cheating to me, but whatever. It's definitely cheating. Uh, then there was Rowan, who used the Targaryen Black Sails build that myself and Alex Hines took to the top eight of Starleck and Worlds uh, in 2014, but with all of the toys unrestricted. Um Jack uh, Machin, who was uh, playing Barra, Heir to the Iron Throne, um, which is an agenda, I might as well do that one quickly now, um, that is House Targaryen only. Um, at the start of the game, uh, you declare either military or intrigue as a challenge you can't do, but you can do two power challenges. Um, but the House Targaryen only bit was errata, and so for the tournament, it was not House Targaryen only, so Jack was like, yep, yeah, doing that. <laughs> Important to note that the errata was was put on before the card was released. Yes, but it, it is in the fact. So, it's in theory, it is. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you can run it in the unrestricted tournament. <laughs> Fair you. enough. Was Jack allowed in the shop though? That's the thing. Or did he have to come in like a mask? Um, Just sort of kept his head down and kept quiet, and it wasn't <laughs> an issue. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. He was on his best behaviour. Anytime anyone even thought about swearing, he'd point at the store rules. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Becky dropped the C word a few times, and every single time he was like, no, no. <laughs> point that at is, the sign. You are definitely not allowed to say cunt in Athena games. I couldn't assure you. <laughs> uh, especially not when there's a Pokemon tournament with like eight-year-olds going on two tables away. Well, in, in our defence, that was very bad planning on their part. Putting <laughs> eight-year-olds in the same room as us. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, the other two people, uh, there was Sam, who was playing Greyjoy House of Dreams Thunderer, um, which was just sort of all the unrestricted good stuff. And then he also figured everyone else would be running one of the bonkers events, so he had three copies of Baylor Blacktide, who, for <laughs> new players, says... You play opponents cannot play event cards that are in their discard piles. 
Um, and, so once you've spent your one narrow escape or whatever, you can't play another one. And of course, Thunderer um, discards cards from the top of the opponent's deck and draws yes. cards. So it OP combo. Very fun, very fun, Baylor against Martel. In this, it was very fun against everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then lastly was Beck, who was playing uh, Lannister Conquest to Baratheon. Um, it was meant to be like a intrigue-heavy holy deck, meant to use lots of hand destruction, um, but I didn't have time to test it or really look at it after I made the first draft of the list, and so it was rubbish. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt quite bad for her. She just she asked me to make her a deck and said she didn't care what it was, just Lannister or Baratheon. And so I was like, why not both? <laughs> and then just threw this really shitty list together that I thought, uh, you know, my drunken state at like 10 o'clock in the evening or whatever was an amazing list. And then it turned out that it was very much not an amazing list. I think I might have actually made that in the same session that I made the Greyjoy deck that I took the next day. Which probably explains something. Yeah, it's clearly a clearly a bad night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there were because there are only six of us, and we all wanted to experience everyone's jank as much as possible. Uh, we did it round robin, um, and after the round robin finished, me Wedge and uh, Rowan had beaten everyone else, and then each beaten one of us and lost to the other one. So we had a three-way tie for first place in a six-person tournament. <laughs> um, which was particularly good because Rowan had only put on... Um, I say only. He was running the whole tournament for free. So it, for, this isn't meant as a slight to him, but there were two top prizes. <laughs> um, and so then we had to split them amongst three of us. So in the end, just everyone in the tournament stuck in a fiver and we ordered a second play map. And then we had three top prizes. So what were the top prizes? Obviously, the playmat was gorgeous. Yes. Uh, uh, so the playmat, a second copy of the playmat, and then the other one was a card design. Um, you know, the house cards that Marius has been making. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was Rowan got the card design in the end, and then Wedge and I got maps. Okay, and there was, of course, a wonderful Sansa prize. There was a wonderful sand surprise, which was to come on this show and talk about it. <laughs> talk um, about which was basically, um, Rowan said that that was one of the prizes, and everyone was like, oh, okay, I don't know if I want to go on. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you all. <laughs> and so, yeah, it became the sand surprise. And so... Beck was meant to be on here railing against me for how terrible the deck that I made her was, um, but she's been held up at work, so I've had to come on and gloat instead. Yeah, the the lesser half of the Frith Wormsley axis. Yeah. Um, so just to run over, I guess some of the more entertaining jank. Um, first of all, House of Dreams, since I mentioned that three times, wasn't actually restricted or errata at any point in first edition, but it just said. Um, basically that you get to start with a location in play um, like of your choice for free. Um, and so uh, me, Wedge and Sam all just decided to use that to sort of anchor our deck around card advantage and then stuff the rest of the deck with ridiculous cards. Um, Important to note that that is a champion card and so at some point it will return to second. Yes. 
Yes, designed by Corey uh, Fat. Yeah. Hopefully not soon, because it is way better than the agendas we have at the moment. Yeah, if, imagine <laughs> if you, you could start with, like, Lannisport in play as a Lannister deck, or, like, Great Kraken. Yeah, it's just... Well, well, before, like, Pass of Punishment, I think, would be nasty. Basically any of them. <laughs> yeah, there's so many that would help. I don't know, I wouldn't worry too much if someone started with, like, Dothraki C. Okay. No, yeah, is well, that even new, unique? <laughs> No, it's not. You're right. Yeah. I think so if someone oh. <laughs> fucking hell, Mama. <laughs> the wolves would. Okay, the yeah. would. Yeah. Could you start with the um the companion barge? Pleasure barge. The pleasure uh, barge. No, for it's oh. unique. No, sorry, it's not unique. Um, it's not unique. So you can't play it, and you don't play it, so you wouldn't draw the cards anyway. It would be fantastic. Yeah. If you just want, you well, I wonder if it would be. Goal. Would that count as immune to House of Dreams? I guess the agenda's not a card effect, is it? Is No, is it? I don't think it is. I don't. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just to sum up what actually the unrestricted tournament is, because I guess I haven't done that yet. Um, basically, in first edition, the card pool got ridiculously huge um, to help keep things manageable, to take out cards that were like okay. distorting the meta or that created ridiculous combos with other cards, or just because they didn't like them anymore, <laughs> FFG restricted cards. Um, and there was a restricted list of, by the end, it was about 50 cards, and it said you may only include one of these cards in your deck or plot deck, like one playset. So if it was a card in your draw deck, you could have up to three copies of that, but no other restricted card. Um, and this tournament said... Imagine if there wasn't a restricted list, and imagine if all the balance errata that FFG has ever done wasn't in place. So, for example, Heir to the Iron Throne wasn't House Targaryen only. Mira Reed read as her card said, rather than as the weird version that it got changed to. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples. There's there's lots of little ones where it's like, limit once per phase, which is so integral to the balance. And that yes. isn't isn't there in this, which yeah. For example, that that Baratheon location from the first uh, from the core set of first edition that said um, name a plot card if an opponent reveals that plot card this round, um, gain a power, and they didn't put a kneel or a limit on it initially, <laughs> and so you know, just name every single plot card fifteen times and win the moment the opponent actually steals a plot. <laughs> <laughs> that that wasn't removed for rather obvious reasons. But... Oh, why didn't we go and make that as an unrestricted deck? That would have been fantastic. Just pull out a list of paper before the start of every game and just uh, sit there and just go, right. <laughs> at the Bala gate. <laughs> yeah, at the gate, example, one. Rise of a Kraken. <laughs> go on, sorry. Yeah, talk about at the gates. I was just going to say, that's an example of a card that was errated. So, the, At the Gates is basically what Here to Serve is now, um, except it didn't... In first edition, you could play cards from out of house um, willy-nilly. You didn't need the banner agendas. Um, you just had to pay two extra gold, and obviously, because you're putting it into play, it circumvents it. And the original At the Gates didn't specify it had to be a Mesa from your house, or a neutral one. And so everyone was just running the most powerful Maesters out of house and just fetching them turn one. Maester Lewin. Um, yeah, Maester Lewin. Um, so, yeah, that was back. That didn't actually come up. I think because last year, 
the event was so saturated with Maesters decks. Everyone just sort of gave it a rest this year. Say there were three out of nine or something like that last year. Yeah, I know we both played it. Rowan played it. Yeah. Did anyone else play Maesters? I don't think so. Fair enough. But it was a fair few, and yeah, no one bothered this year. Maesters are the best. Maesters are the best. I only didn't play Maesters because I didn't want to play them two years in a row. Yeah, next year maybe. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's basically a ludicrous tournament where it's like, just to test to see if we didn't actually try to balance everything, would all the lack of balance kind of balance out? <laughs> I think um, it does to a, a, a reasonable st- like state. Like Most of the decks I played last year, it, it wasn't you know a landslide either way. Like they, they seemed fairly balanced most of the time. Yeah, and I don't think any house gets left behind because the ones that have the fewest cards on the restricted list, Sark and Greyjoy, both have their Fury pot plot restricted and both can use Fear of Winter really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they benefit a lot in their plot decks from the uh, the unrestricted format. And Greyjoy gets the long voyage back. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Greyjoy gets the long voyage back. Which is uh, a horrible, wonderful card, which I oh. love to begin with because it made many decks playable, like theme decks, uh, and <laughs> then grew to hate as it became so popular that no one played anything else. Fun fact for you. There are 400... You'd, if you were to use the Baratheon card where you read out all the names of the plots, you'd have to read out before, in the plot phase, you would <laughs> have to read out the title of 498 plots in order to say all of them. 15 times. Yep. All of them, you have to say them each 15 times. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in that case then I need to redo some maths it, it depends how many, uh, how much power you want if you only want 5 power you only have to read all the plots 5 times well if you wanted to read all the plots 15 times then you'd have to read out all the plots 2490 times I think if it got to that point I'd probably bring it on a tape recorder <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be the best thing ever right plot phase any actions yes press the tape player I'm going to go for a piss. You listen to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if your plot comes up, I win. Cool. No worries. I, I wonder, to save time, people would only list the most likely plots. And then people would start playing all the really, really terrible plots that saw no play. Like the one that means you'll consider to be running an additional The North Agenda and things like that. Yeah, I love it. So, ah, he's not going to bother saying this. I can <laughs> survive until Marshling. <laughs> when of he can then some... name... Like narrow sea fifteen times and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, it's Dragonstone Watchtower, isn't it? The one you're thinking of. Oh, Not I think it's Dragonstone Watch. Watch is the one I was thinking of. But... Oh, Dra- Dragonstone Watchtower. You kneel it. If yeah, they play Dragonstone the Watch card, Tower. you claim the power. If they don't, you stand it again. Yeah. So you get to have another go in the next phase. Yeah, that that's like the balanced version of what they accidentally did in the in the core set. The problem with Dragonstone Port is that it was so ridiculous because you triggered it after the opponent chose their plot, but before they revealed it, it created yeah. a new action window on its own, which is so yeah. wonderful and so terrible for a course. I remember now. Rowan <laughs> coming on here in your Jank episode and talking about that. And yeah. talking about how great it would be to use like Wheels Within Wheels or whatever in that window <laughs> to turn into a new plot whilst you've already got a plot chosen to turn into. <laughs> It's insanity. I love it. 
But yeah, no one did that. <laughs> Good. Do you uh do you want to take us through through the decks and tell us some of the uh ridiculous cards from first edition that people should be scared of if they were to go to an unrestricted tournament? And some yeah, of the sure. some of the combos and things. Just just give okay. people an awareness of uh what the card okay, pool so... can get to, that kind of thing. Sure. I'll start with uh, Becky's deck. So that didn't actually have that much different, except it used a lot of the overpowered Lannister um, events, and it took advantage of some Lannister locations that got very rightfully changed. Um, so there's an event in first edition, Wheels Within Wheels, <laughs> which is you have to give each opponent uh, two power when you play it, um, but it's an any phase event. and Obviously, all events are zero cost, effectively, in first edition. It's an any phase event. Uh, nearly unique Lannister character to turn into a new plot. No downside at all. Your opponent, it, pl- your opponent claims two power. That's the downside. Yeah, it's and that's not totally worth like you getting to marshal your entire board, or that you waiting for them to marshal and then turning into Valar Morghulis to kill all characters. Yeah, I, I, you know how much like this podcast likes Wheels Within Wheels. Like we wrote yeah. a verse about it. You did. <laughs> it was beautiful. It made me cry with laughter. But yeah, that um, that was one of the cards. There's also Harry the Riverlands, um, which got restricted, which is kind of like a like a what became consolidation of power, I guess, in second edition. So it's. Any phase, kneel any number of characters with combined cost three or lower. Which is much better um, with the reduced gold curve in first edition. Than it would yeah, be which now. with a reduced gold curve is amazing. It's also an any phase action, not a marshalling action, and it costs zero. Um, and you don't have to give power, and it goes off cost, not strength. Um, it's just very, very good, really. Um, then... Uh, onto the cards that received some justifiable errata. There is a location, Lannisport Brothel, um, which is two-cost location, and in the standing phase, as a response to a character standing in the standing phase, you get to immediately kneel them again. So you can just keep a character locked down. Now, it was intended to be, and immediately errata to be, unique. However, the original version of it is non-unique so horrible yeah so it's like oh you've got three characters oh, i'm gonna keep those three all knelt for the rest of the game good luck with that yeah if you think baroneal is oppressive an unrestricted hyperneal <laughs> deck is a thing of beauty oh. because yeah. hyperneal at the end of first edition was super strong it was yeah. when it has all its unerratted and unrestricted toys it is quite wonderful <laughs> yeah. um was also alchemist guildhall um, so it, when, when errated, the card is a base. Okay. I guess it's a shadows card. So we very briefly explained shadows. It's a state of play where you can pay two gold to put a card into play face down. Um, and then at the start of a phase, you can pay the rest of its cost to bring it out of shadows. Um, so alchemist guildhall costs like S one. So shadows one, um, and it's a limited response. After a card comes out of shadows, Neil Alchemist Guildhall, uh, to choose and kneel a character or location that doesn't have the shadows crest, that's not a shadows card. Um, now, one word of that was an errata, and that word is limited. It was not a limited response initially. 
Um, limited response, I guess the closest comparison in second edition would be a faction card, Neil. Yeah, definitely. So it's as if it now said, Neil, your faction card to do that. Except originally it didn't say that, <laughs> and you could have three copies of Alchemist Guildhall out, bring a card out of shadows, and Neil three things on the other side of the board. Yep. Every round. Alchemist Guildhall was the bane of my life. Yeah. As a Martel player, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. That poor Red Viper. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, that was about it for Becky's deck, other than general stuff that everyone had, like Fear of Winter and that sort of thing. Um, so Fear of Winter is a plot, uh, to claim, and, uh, no one can, uh, you can, each player can only play at most one card until you next reveal a plot. Um, so it's insanely good if you're in front at any in any point in the game it just locks you in front and it's very good to turn into with wheels within wheels <laughs> if you marshal first then immediately make it so your opponent can only play one card and you've got two claim um uh, not, not a pretty sight no um so yeah that was becky's deck it probably would have been better if it had just been a straight up hyper like we were discussing but unfortunately i decided it needed to be Conquest Baratheon and have holy characters in it. Yeah, because holy <laughs> characters were such a strong theme in the first edition <laughs> that you decided to bring them back despite none of the holy tech being restricted. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I understand Mel. Like, Melisandre was pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, yep. But, no, Wabba, sorry. <laughs> practical yeah. believer. Uh, practical believer. See, there is a card I don't even know what it does. So that's what I. <laughs> After it enters or leaves play, choose a kneel or stand a holy character. I don't understand what the problem is. Okay, I, I can see some synergy there. Some synergy. <laughs> <laughs> Being the optimum word. Yeah, I yeah. see. I would have either gone for Lannister Hyper Neil. With, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, if you want to conquest a Baratheon, you just bring in a bit of renown. Like that, that works for me. Uh, or you go dirty Baratheon control City of Shadows to get the Guildhall. What, using, like, black cells and stuff? Yeah. Although, and I guess that's it. what Becky played last year. She played uh, City of Shadows, didn't she? Yeah. We had to move it on a step. Yeah. So, for those who aren't aware, the black cells is when a card comes out of Shadows, you kneel the black cells to choose a character, and uh, they cannot kneel or stand during that phase. So, if you bring a card out of Shadows in a City of Shadows deck, which allows you to play Shadows cards from any house, uh, you make three characters not kneel, with the black cells, and then you make three characters kneel with the Alchemist Guildhall, and you lock six characters down every turn. Or you kneel three with the Guildhall, and then in standing phase, you use the black cells to stop them standing back up again. Exactly. So that you've knelt three for two turns in a row. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. Well, go on. Next deck. Next deck is Sam's uh, Greyjoy Thunderer. Um, but yeah, Greyjoy, I don't think had a single restricted card at the end. Uh, Fury uh, of the Kraken. Yes, Fury of the Kraken in yeah. the plot deck. Um, so that was basically against Stark and Targaryen decks. Um, if you want a military challenge, you got to target remove a character for free. Um, and it also had a trait that set up Greyjoy's most powerful event in the game. And it was a five-seven-one plot, which is good in second edition and insanity yeah. in first edition. Yeah. Yes. Like five, seven, one. Man, those plots were good. Default restricted most ninety-five percent of the time. 
Yeah, yeah. I I, would, I played it in 95% of my Gradual decks, unless I wanted Fear of Winter. Mm. Oh, they had the boats. Were the boats restricted at the end? Oh, the boats were... Yeah, they res- were. No. Um, yes, they were restricted and errated, I think, at the end. Yeah, so they but were. He, moment, um, Sam wasn't doing boats. No. Okay, carry on. Tell us yeah. about Thunderer. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Thunderer is a boat that you kneel it uh, when you reveal a plot card uh, to make the opponent discard the plot card of their deck. And then if it's a character or a location, you draw a card, which given that attachments were basically unplayable in first edition meant that you had like a five in six chance of drawing a card. Um, and if it, if it was an event, then his Baylors would stop you being able to play it. So he was probably actually happier in that case. Um, wasn't really much else to say, which I guess is probably a sign that it was too fair as a deck. <laughs> he didn't go mean enough. Did he? Did he play naval escort? Because that's a boat that is playable in all Greyjoy decks, uh, whether or not. not. Well, there you go, uh, Sam. Play naval escort. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then, Jack's deck was Baratheon to the Iron Throne. The main sort of unrestricted jank fun in his deck was the agenda obviously not normally being allowed to be used out baratheon um in the deck he had like three copies of narrow escape which i think i've avoided saying what it does before now it's basically put back into play any characters that were killed or discarded from play ah 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 no this phase discarded uh i can't remember if that errata stuck or not oh i guess it depends what rowan decided but the original one is killed or discarded it so is. it counted from uh, from hand and from deck. Yeah. I but can't yeah. remember whether Rowan uh, changed that or not. But, yeah, he moved on. Um, yeah, either way, it was running that, and then it was just, you know, straight out rush. Um, open with Art of Seduction, which is a restricted plot that says your opponent doesn't get to reveal a new plot next round. And that. then basically try to win before it gets to plot three. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Jack. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, for those who aren't aware, Barra was, in first edition, even more focused around power challenges than it is now. And it had a lot of renown. Um, yes. Like, so much renown and so much stand that it could easily win games. What, turn one or turn two, if it got the right cards in it. Um, so, yeah, that was Jack's deck. Just art seduction, narrow escape the unerotted agenda all of the power rush in the world um and he won a couple of games in the first two turns and he lost a couple of games after the first two turns sure um i know when he played me he managed to get art of seduction on i think it was fear of winter um i know that was sam actually when i played sam um he art seduction my fear of winter um which meant that we could only play one card each for the next two turns like combined two turns not one card each turn one card across two whole turns um and so the second round he just valid and then he had zero claim but neither of us could play any cards that round because we'd already played them last round and we just got to sit there and go to the next plot phase (laughs) that's amazing yeah that was good fun um then uh, Rowan was playing Targaryen Black Sails. So Black Sails is a bit of a complex agenda uh, to unbox. But We have naval but... dogs now. Yes. 
basically the effect the kennel master has where you get to drop in a, a direwolf into any challenge um that existed as its own thing away from direwolves and it's called naval uh, enhancements okay so black sails um basically is built around these things called naval enhancements that work kind of like the second edition card winterfell kennel master um which lets you drop characters into challenges the way these worked is there were naval enhancements on icons and while the challenge associated with that icon was in place you could kneel that character to have it participate like outside of the normal framework so uh, so black sails as an agenda basically works around naval enhancements um which basically are additions to icons that say during one of those challenges you can at any time kneel that character uh, that has the enhancement to have them participate in the challenge on either side um this was mostly used as sort of like a challenge trick to add strength to a challenge like outside of the point where you declare attacks or defenders, um, like, for example, the Winterfell Kennel Master does in 2nd edition. Um, the Black Sails agenda said if you want a challenge on attack using one of these characters, uh, then you get to search half of your deck for any card and then at the end of the phase add it to your hand. Um, this was used in Targaryen, basically to fetch uh, Daenerys Targaryen and ways to abuse the hell out of Daenerys Targaryen. Um, Daenerys Targaryen was a character that was, uh, after she kneels, um, or, uh, sorry, after she's declared as an attacker in a challenge, choose a character on the other side. If you win the challenge, kill the character. Um, character without attachments. She was character a without attachments. <laughs> yeah. Made no difference. And she... Yeah, because attachments weren't played in first edition, so it's like, whatever. Um, and she was prized too, but she was also three cost, and Targaryen had an event, uh, stand a character of three cost or lower to return a character of three cost or lower from the dead pile to play. No, it's just standard Targaryen character. You can stand any. You're right, it was. Stand any Targaryen character, sorry, um, right. to return a character of cost three or lower. Um, so you could stand her to bring back others and use her multiple times in a phase. You could, if she got killed, bring her back and use her for a surprise in the middle of a challenge. Uh, there was a location that could give her naval enhancements, so you could do, like, you could bring her into the challenge partway through it when you knew you were going to win it, um, and then use that to fetch the ability to recur her again. Um, it was quite bonkers. Uh, and then, because it was quite bonkers, a lot of the tech around it got restricted, um, and so Rowan thought, yeah, I'll just redo that and then add in extra bonus restricted cards, like the Red Keep to help pay for the ambush cards. <laughs> um, and the ones I've already mentioned, like, you know, Narrow Escape, Black Sail, uh, sorry, Fear of Winter, the sort of things that went in most of the decks. Street Waif? Uh, yep, he had Street Waif in there. Street Waif. Um, so that's kneel it uh, to have an opponent choose a, ca a card in your discard pile and return it to your hand. Um and then that combines with long lances, which is uh, after a character enters play, choose and stand a Targaryen uh, character, limit once per phase, but not limit once per round. So you can bring a character into play during the marshalling phase, during the challenges phase, you can ambush them in in all sorts of weird and wacky phases and just keep recurring your broken cards that let you drop characters in in weird and wonderful phases. Yeah, it's important to note that uh, ambush was any phase. First edition, yes, not just challenges. First. 
And it fades. Yes, you can do it. All sorts. Of and it also things. wasn't in Lannister. Um, yeah, no, probably it's Targaryen. <laughs> Should probably point that out as well. I don't know why it's in Targaryen now. Every single ambush card or card that could let you use ambush was House Targaryen only. Except for the one that is House Targaryen or House Greyjoy only. Yeah, and okay. also unerratted Jack and Hagar, yes. who was every single house and had ambush. Yes. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, um, so that was horrible. Yep, so that was Rowan's deck. Um, then my deck was House of Dreams Bear Island. Um, so Bear Island was a location that was in dominance phase. If you only have Stark cards in play, uh, you could kneel it to choose and kill a non-Stark character without attachments. And I took the calculated risk that there wouldn't be any other Stark decks at the event, and I was right. So it basically became choose a killer character without attachments, hmm. um, which basically meant choose and kill a character. Except um, Stannis. Except Stannis, because he's immune. The, the Stannis that people played was immune to location abilities. Yeah. But, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I had other kill for Stannis. That was fine. Um, yeah, I just packed it with as much kill as I could. Stark had an event that wasn't restricted, but was just awesome. No quarter. Um, which is after you win a military challenge with a unique character, choose and kill a character. None of this five or more nonsense. None of this cost two gold nonsense. <laughs> It was horrible. And of course, Brienne of Tarth in 1st edition was like uh, Caitlyn in this. So you would attack with her, who is unique, and yeah. nobody can cancel this event or do any yes. challenge. Yes, because it's worth pointing out, she was like Caitlyn, except she had a military icon instead of an injury icon. Yeah. And also, duplicates um, <laughs> were counted as triggered effects, so could be cancelled and couldn't be triggered. Yes, it was disgusting. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. There was also Fear of Winter um, in my deck, obviously, a two-claim plot. It goes really well with Bear Island, because you if they're only playing at most one character and you're getting a free kill, then they're definitely not advancing their board position. Um, Fury of the Wolf, uh, which was a restricted plot that was after you win a military challenge, choose and kill a character if you're playing against Greyjoy or Lannister. Um, so yeah, and then I also had Mira Reed, unerratted. So she was any phase pay a gold to blank a card or two cards if it was winter, which it wasn't in my deck, so that part's irrelevant. Um, And then also uh, you could, when a Stark character left play, she returned to Shadows because she was a Shadows card. Um, And she was pay one gold to bring her out of Shadows and blank a character, but because you could just put her back in Shadows every round pretty much, uh, you could blank stuff every round. Um, So she was in there three copies because she's amazing. And had to be eroded and restricted to be balanced. And even then, she still saw play more than any other Stark restricted card. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, she answers everything and is awesome. Yeah. Um, so that was my deck. Then Wedge's deck, um, as I said before, it was basically his Lannister good stuff deck that he'd played all throughout 2015, basically. Um, except with all of the bonkers restricted stuff that was in Becky's deck that I already outlined. Um, He also had a neat little combo around two cards that were both errated. Um, So there's a card, Lion's Gate, that was errated to any phase while it's not winter, uh, kneel it to choose a character, um, discard a power from that character, then give it the trait of your choice. Um, and it was errata- oh, so it was originally 
uh, choose a card, discard a power from that card and give it the trait of your choice, which meant that you could discard off the opponent's house card, um, which just made it ludicrously good for stalling. Um, and then the other one was Carrion Bird, um, which is uh, now, uh, after you win a challenge with it, uh, choose a card with the printed Raven trait and shuffle it into its controller's deck, or its owner's deck, rather. Um, but originally, it didn't have that word printed. It was choose a card with the Raven trait. So it became, oh, your character has power. Okay, now it's a Raven. Okay, now it's back in your deck. Um, which was pretty bonkers. Yeah, and of course, there are multiple ways in Lannister to give your opponent's characters power. Yes, yes, there are. Um, and also in my match against Wedge, he managed to get two Lions Gates set up on on setup, um, wow. and the game went eight rounds, I want to say, and he triggered them both on me every single round, which meant that I needed thirty-one power to win. <laughs> <laughs> and who won? Uh, I did. Oh wow! Because I completely destroyed his. Deck. Like we both knew, sort of like round two, that I was almost certainly going to win, but he couldn't exactly throw it, so he just kept <laughs> every single time, repeatedly <laughs> making my entire house a fool. Uh, did he try to trigger the carrion bird at any point to shuffle a house card into the deck? No, because uh, we hadn't ignored the FAQ note that the house card cannot leave play for any reason. Good. <laughs> But yes, the reason why that the house card cannot leave play for any reason rule exists is because originally you could make the house card a raven and then shuffle it away, um, <laughs> which caused issues. Thrones. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I beat Wedge, Rowan beat me, and Wedge beat Rowan, and we had ourselves a three-way tie, and yeah. It was a fun tournament. So how would you have destroyed us, Dave, if you'd been there? Uh, so my initial thought would probably be that I would have played some sort of Martell deck. I feel it would, would have been rude not to. Uh, so whether rude. I repeated Maesters from last year, uh, if you want to hear my rundown of last year's tournament, I was on a 2C1C episode and chatted about that, so I'll, I'll link that in the comments if you can find it. Um... But I think what I would have probably played is my all-time favourite deck, which is uh, Martell Knights of the Hollow Hill. So that is Westeros Bleeds, which obviously I love. Um, lots of stall. Uh, there's a first edition. Well, Westeros Bleeds is an event version of Varys. Um, burning on the Sands, after you lose a challenge, no one wins the challenge. Uh, Red Vengeance, after you lose a challenge the attacker plays the claim instead of the defender um, Prince's plans to get all my events back, Icon Control uh, lots of recursion um, things that allow me to flip new plots halfway through challenges uh, all, all the good things oh, Favourable Ground, which allows me to discard <laughs> non-limited locations from play in the dominance phase which is it's wonderful um uh, yeah, I would have probably played Knights of the Hollow Hill. Because so can I just say, my all -time I think it's cute that you felt the need to explain what Westeros Bleeds is, given you've written a song about it. <laughs> Some people may... Uh, our, our listener, that is our highest 
listened episode. Uh, that oh. one. But uh, we have picked up in listeners in general since then. So if people want to hear my full thoughts on Westeros, please do listen to episode 23 because uh, I make them quite clear. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I would have probably played that. Um, or potentially some sort of uh, Targaryen Hollow Hill with lots of jumpers and burn and things. The House of Pain yeah. deck. Because I did enjoy that in the last year of First Edition. Yeah. And Peel, I presume you would have played Hyperplane. Uh, no, actually. We spoke about this before I decided to go. Um, admittedly, yes, you put the idea in my head of the reading off multiple plots. Um, <laughs> and that would have been fantastically fun for me to do. Uh, because I would have enjoyed reading that. Yes, it would have taken me a while. But by the time I finished, it would have gone to time. So, mod win. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Um, oh, we got to finish this round. Oh no, what a shame! I still haven't finished my list. <laughs> <coughs> you wouldn't have even so, got a mod win; it would have been full win by the time you'd finished the round. <laughs> so yes, admittedly, that would be probably if it was a competitive tournament at London or somewhere where I didn't know everyone there. I probably would do that. Um, <laughs> that would be entertaining for me. Um, just because it would be annoying. But I would probably, to be honest, I, I've always wanted to play Targ um, Black Sails. Uh, but it was all restricted before I got a chance to. And I kind of wanted to play it still. And I know I couldn't because it didn't work because they kind of crippled it. And I just wanted to play it. So that would have been entertaining. Ambushing, boating, doing all the stuffs. So cool. that for me would have been it. Or Stark heavy murder, kill everything, because this is amusing, and you can't do anything because all your men are dead. It was fun. Yeah, that that appeals to me quite a lot. Um, just the, the aspect of wiping out someone's board and going, ha-ha! would be quite entertaining. Um, you, you discussed a deck with me, James, when we were discussing potential decks. Uh, the Blackfish and Brotherhood. Do you want to take yes. the listeners through that? Because that's a, quite a wonderful piece of jank that you were uh, thought up. Yeah. Okay. So that was, there's an agenda in first edition, the brotherhood without banners that says you cannot put uh, power on your house card. You uh, have to put it on a brotherhood character instead, uh, like a character with the brotherhood trait. And that if you lose power, if you lose a power challenge, then the opponent can take power from a brotherhood card. Um, so in theory, it's a downside, except all of the Brotherhood characters say, while you have no power on your house card, X. Um, and so they encourage not having any power on your house card. For example, the classic example is Beric Dondarrion, who is a, a tricon with renown. And he says, while you have no power on your house card, Beric Dondarrion cannot be killed or discarded from play. Which is quite powerful. Um, yes. <laughs> So my jank deck was basically take the Blackfish, um, who is being reprinted in the uh, Stark Deluxe box. But it's basically while the Blackfish has uh, three or more power on him, uh, House Tully characters don't kneel to attack. And it was make him a Brotherhood, put all of your power on the Blackfish until he gets um, three on him. And then use trait manipulation instead of to make him Brotherhood, to make Beric... Um, a house Tully, because then he's a non-kneeling Tricon with Renown, which sounded good. Unfortunately, it's a terrible, terrible, janky pile of crap, 
but it's hilarious. <laughs> if you got it off once, if you got to make three challenges with Beric because of that, it's worth it. Yes. Yeah. Would you Even have been you using old Nan, though? That is the question. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Old Nan, the, the, copper link. Yeah, and there's a Stark slash Targaryen location. Um, Hall of Dragons, I think it's called. Oh, wow. It was nearly a nearly an influence to give a character deadly and a trait <laughs> or choice. Oh, God. So then you can make Beric a deadly renowned tricon that doesn't need to attack. Deadly renowned tricon. Nice. That is nice. That would be something to see. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, what do you think is the best unrestricted deck? Is um, there a there best? Is one? Uh, I, mean, I mean, we haven't discussed Bloodthirst yet. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. Knights of the Hollow Hill, like I would want to play, but with a consistent draw engine. Uh, if anyone. <laughs> If anyone was underhanded enough, they could reconstruct one of the infinite combo builds very, very easily. There was a gentleman's agreement not to play in infinite combos, at least last year. Yes, and this year as well. Yeah, so hopefully you wouldn't expect that. But if you're yeah. going to take a proper deck that had to at least make a couple of challenges, and you know you needed to win this, if this was Worlds, what would you take? Um, infinite combo. No, you're not allowed to take an infinite combo deck. Assume they've been uh, fixed. Oh. I mean, you can't take Dragonstone Port. <laughs> the main contenders would have to be um, Martell, like Bloodthirst or Knights of the Hollow Hill of some description, um, using unerratted Prince's plans. The, the original version of which oh. was Neil Thor influence to return the top four cards of your discard pile to your hand. So you could, as long as you didn't have four or more cards discarded you could just use princess plans to get back princess plans and just completely empty the discard pile and put it all back in your hand and replay all your wonderful martell events like burning on the sand which meant that you couldn't lose a challenge um so that would be definitely um a strong deck to watch out for it's what reese played at the unrestricted tournament last year and the only reason he uh, lost that is because for banter he discarded a 20 card hand to narrow escape and then realised he didn't have any prince's plans left <laughs> <laughs> oh wait they're all in my discard pile now yeah, all his prince's plans and all his um, blessed by the maidens were all in his discard pile at the same time <laughs> oh that's sad <laughs> um, so that would definitely be a strong deck um, any sort of lanny good stuff any martel aggro like um, using all of Martel's many bonkers cards. Um, any Maester deck being let completely loose. Any Six Agenda deck. Oh, six Agenda. Um, so since I don't think they've ever been discussed on the cast, I'll just quickly go into them in detail more. Um, there were six Agendas that had the, the North trait. Three for Night's Watch, three for Wildlings. Um and they each meant that you needed two more power to win the game, but then each also had insanely strong effects. So the Night's Watch agendas between them turned all Night's Watch characters into Tricons. Uh, the Wildling agendas gave all Wildlings stealth plus one strength and reduced the first Wildling you played each round by two. Um, and then also there was Dolorous Ed, um, who raised your draw cap by one for each the North agenda you were running. Um, and 
first edition didn't have a reserve. Instead, it had draw cap, which limited the number of cards you could draw each phase outside of the draw outside of the draw action. Um, by default, it was three. So Dolores Edmund that you could get it up to nine. Um, then there was Val, um, who is reveal and draw the top card of your deck. Um, if you can play it, you have to otherwise discard it. Um, and then there were seven cost armies for Night's Watch and Wildlings that were reduced the cost to play them by one for each the North Agenda you were running. So it basically became get Dolores Ed out, get Val out, trigger Val nine times to just spam out a bunch of these massive armies and sure you need 27 power to win the game, but you're going to get there. It's disgusting. You play it out of Barra for the Renown and the Laughing Storm, so if you can't play the card you drew with Val, you just can't discard it because the Laughing Storm doesn't allow you to discard cards. Uh, and then you trigger Val in the draw phase, so you can't play yeah. anyone. Yeah, thankfully the six player. agenda decks were real before they errated it, so you couldn't play the Night's Watch and Wildling ones together. Um, Laughing Storm wasn't out at that point. Yeah, and then he was restricted before he was even released. Yes. And eventually unrestricted. Yeah. Um, so those would be good. Um, then I think, yeah, like a denial deck using like Harren Hall, which was killer character you control to cancel an effect. Um, running that, running Brienne, running those types of cards would probably be quite good just as like a counter to like the Martel silliness. Mm. I think those are probably sort of the, the best decks. Okay. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that was where others fear to trade her. Novel by E.M. Forster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, <laughs> obviously I encourage everyone to uh, go to that next year if uh, Rowan is not kind enough to uh, host it again. I'll do my best to get there. Um, it is a fantastic, fantastic event. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it won't it, if you play second edition. Didn't play first edition. A 10-minute primer on the rules differences will sort you right out and you'll be fine. And if you just want to name a deck archetype, then there'll be a, a player there with the card pool that is happy to build you a deck. Um, yeah, most of it isn't about knowing the cards. It's about appreciating the bonkers power level and the jank and just, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You just say, build me something ridiculous in Targaryen and we'll go, all right, I know just the deck. Here <laughs> you go, here's House of Pain. See how you like that. Um it is, it is well worth uh, well worth doing. I mean, the draft Highlander pool that I've got at the moment is like a, a mini version of it. Um, you get like the, the scaled back experience, I think, which is nice. Um, but yeah, well worth well worth attending, I feel. And I'm very sad I missed it this year. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, for those who haven't seen it, Whammer wrote a lovely little article about how terrible he is at Thrones. So I disregard everything you said for the last uh, hour or so. Um, <laughs> and that's what Card Game TV at the moment. Uh, that was from the same weekend, so did you want to give us the gist of that, James? Yeah, sure. I played in the second edition store championship on the Sunday. The Where the Fear to Tread tournament was on the Saturday. There was the store championship on the Sunday. And I came 18th out of 19. And instead of pretending that it never happened, I thought, yeah, I'm quite self-loathing. Let's write an article about how crap it was. <laughs> um, and try to expose exactly why it was bad and learn from it. 
And yeah, people seem to have liked it. I've had lots of people say they'd like me to write another, but I don't know whether that's because they liked it or whether they just want me to fail at the store championship again. I'm in two minds, certainly. <laughs> um, but having won a store championship, uh, you can you can beat me and I don't care now, so it's fine. Nice. Yeah, I didn't win any first edition store championships, so... <laughs> <laughs> so despite... Minute like finishing in the top eight at the final ever worlds and being the UK national champion and so on. Would you say you're already better at second edition than you ever were at first edition? I've won two second edition tournaments, I oh. won a total of four first edition tournaments. Nice, so you had the nationals, Three. you had the I... um, the thingy the one where you only had one cycle, yeah. The, uh, the the chosen few where you have a deluxe box, the corset, and the cycle, and uh, the Paramore Invitational. Oh, of course, yes. So yeah, just three tournaments, as far as I remember. Careful though, Dave. You might jinx yourself. Yeah. You might not win now for the rest of the year, and you'll just be like, oh. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna destroy my score and our standings. It will. It will. Okay. Well, if you want to wrap up, Peel, because we've got to do this silly. Uh, Silly sign-off thing, as the people have spoken. I don't do sign-offs, Dave. Fuck that shit. Bill, out! <laughs> 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 oh, fantastic. Um, and as an aside, uh, thank you for joining us, James. <laughs> That's okay. Becky's last-minute replacement winner work thing overran. <laughs>